with me to 1 John, if you will. <clears throat> We're going to pick up where uh, Pastor Trevor left off last week, in verse 5. And uh, not going to lie, I'm going to actually steal a little bit of this thunder for next week. Um, so sorry, Trevor, but too bad. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to go from 5 and into chapter 2 a little bit. We won't stay very long in chapter 2, though. So let's pray, and uh, we'll get started. Lord, thank you, God, for uh, this morning. Thank you, God, for Areola Bible Church and the work that you're doing here in our, in our church and our church family, but also, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our community and especially in the life of our pastor as you are healing him and um, being present in their lives. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the ability to witness your, your awesome hand the last couple weeks. In our prayer, Lord, that... Uh, uh, you would use this as a time to grow in the challenge, challenges that it brings, and that, God, at the end of the day, you would be glorified. Thank you for all that you do for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to start in verse 5. And uh, before I start, I wanted to remind us all a little bit of the context and uh, of First John and... Uh, take a look at it with me when he says um, in verse or in chapter two, verse one, "My little children." Okay, he is talking to um, fellow believers, and as we go through this passage, and as we start in chapter two next week, and go through. First John, I want you guys to remember that this is to primarily believers, those who have already trusted in Christ for their salvation. And it's important because what John is going to be talking about today in, um, in these logical proofs, talking to the believers, whether they're Ephesian believers or um, Jewish believers in Jerusalem, um, to remind ourselves that these people are already saved. And so, what are we talking about here? What, when John talks about um, that if he sins, he has no fellowship with God, the truth is not in him, what does he mean by that? Well, the good foundation that we should build on is that well, we already have security in our salvation. Christ did it for us on the cross. He died for us, and so we have the assurance that we can walk in the light. And that's the point of the message today. So there you go. I, maybe I can just close right now, and <laughs> I can pray, and we can go home. I don't know. <laughs> just kidding. But, but it's important to remember this piece of truth. We don't have to keep asking for salvation. When we believe, we're there. So then it's the process of sanctification that we all <laughs> struggle with until we stand before him at the judgment seat. So let's start in verse 5 here. <clears throat> this is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him 
there is no darkness at all. John here is setting up a logical proof. Now, I took a class at NAU, um, Northern Arizona University, on logic. And it was a very humanistic point of view on logic. But uh, when I went through this, when I was studying, I was like, oh, yeah, look what John's doing, <laughs> right? And, um, but he's setting up a premise, and he's answering two things, right? First of all, he's answering how we, as Christians, in our daily walk, we struggle with our sin still. We're not, we're not chained to it, right? We're free in Christ, but we like to proverbial take the chains and rewrap them, <laughs> right? And so uh, John is answering that question, and he's also answering um, false doctrine that's already starting to pervade the church, okay? Heresy, if it were. And we'll talk a little bit more about that because, interestingly enough, there's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes would tell us, <laughs> And it's true. And I will share with you later in the sermon a little bit what that looks like in our current day and age. But John is answering these two questions, and he's starting with an a emphatic statement. In fact, the Greek light is uh, photos, where we get photosynthesis, photography, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but... The commentaries that I was reading was like, it's emphatic. It is, um, John is saying, God is light, and we can't argue that there's any darkness in him. If he's all light, then there's no room for darkness. And so he's telling them this message that, guess what, I heard from the man himself from Jesus. I, I love John. John does not mince words a whole lot. He tells it like it is, right? I, I got to see him. I got to hear from him. I got to watch him. And now I tell you that God is light. So even in John's day and age, early forms of what we call Gnosticism is starting to creep into the faith, into the fold. Right. If you don't know what Gnosticism is, essentially, there is a higher power, but um, it doesn't have any um, it doesn't have any influence in your own life. Right? And it takes various forms. Even before Christ came to this earth, there was um, a religion called Zoroastrianism. That's a big word. <laughs> All right, and I always think it's interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but I was a history teacher. That's my trade. But Zoroastrianism starts in Persia and Babylon, all right? And uh, correlation, right? Who was in Babylon? The Jews. And for 70 years, and then beyond that, those who stayed, right? And basically, Zoroastrianism started in the 2nd century B.C., before Christ. And it taught that there was a light and there was a dark power and they were constantly at war with each other. Okay? And so it's an age-old question. What is that light and what is that darkness? John's here to tell us exactly what that is. 
God is that light. And guess what? There's actually no darkness when compared to God. There is darkness in our sin, but in God, we can't, um, we can't dual nature God. He is just light. And then he goes into, <clears throat> he goes into six if-then statements, conditional statements. Verse 6, he says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so, six if-then statements Three of them have a negative connotation, and three of them have a positive connotation. So the first one, or the first two, six and seven, right? If we, have fellowship, if we say we have fellowship, yet walk in darkness, we lie. We're, we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there's the negative and the positive. And this is a pretty famous passage, right? Verse 7 is a pretty famous verse. There's even a song that I've been singing all week, and I'm not going to sing it for you guys. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Okay? That I learned as a kid and doing a play. Verse 7 is very popular. Verse 6 is not as popular. But I decided to ask my kids this week, what does it mean to walk in the light as he is in the light. <laughs> well, my eight-month-old classically goes, <laughs> as an answer. My two-year-old goes, I don't want to walk in the light. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> my four-year-old screams, shine Jesus' light. And I was like, all right, VBS. <laughs> so, if, uh, if you're on the fifth day of VBS, you're like, what am I doing here? Well, my son's watching you, all right? So thank you to all you child care workers. But the key point here is not that we lose security in God. What John is saying is, is that if we say that we have fellowship, fellowship is an important word here in this connotation, fellowship Yet we do the deeds of darkness, we lie. We are broken in our fellowship with God. Turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, obviously a very famous chapter, but John chapter 3, verse 18. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought 
in God. Jesus has taken this and he said, hey, if you are in darkness, you cannot have fellowship with God because God is light. See the logical proof that's going on right now? Okay. John is then in turn saying, I have to go back now. John is then saying, okay, we have to walk in the light as he himself is in the light so that we have fellowship. What does that mean? What does fellowship mean? Fellowship is beyond just saying, hey, how's it going on Sunday morning? <laughs> right? When we have fellowship with God, we are doing his will. We are practicing those things that bring us closer to God. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, right, dwell on the things that are above. If there's anything that's pure, lovely, right, there are, Paul has so many lists in his epistles that help us live and walk in the light. But I have to be careful. This is not a legalistic thing. We don't do this so that we can um, that we can get to heaven, right? It's not legalism that John is talking about here, but it's talking about having the abundant life that he has experienced. This guy is well into his 90s when he writes this. And in fact, he finishes out verse 7 with the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's an important promise. Last cross-reference. Turn with me to Psalm. You probably can quote this verse. Psalm 119, 105. And it says, Your word is a lamp to my and a light to my path. If you're ever in Flagstaff um, and you have nothing to do, I would encourage you to go check out the... uh, um, the ice caves, that's what we affectionately called them. This is basically an air tube that was created underground. And uh, it's super cool. It's like a half mile long into the ground. It's very cold and very, very dark. <laughs> and in fact, it only takes about 10 feet <laughs> for you to, I can't even see my hand in front of my, it's, it's dark. There's no light in there. And, and I, I attribute uh, when we walk in the light and as the psalmist says, when your word is a lamp unto my path, it is helping us not to stumble. We can walk uh, we can walk easy. We can walk well. Because if we're in the light, we can see where we're going. Easy as that. But if we're in darkness, and we stumble. Let us walk in the light. All right, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And again, verse 8. Very famous verse. Verse 9. Oh, no, sorry. Verse 9 is very famous. Verse 8, not as famous. <laughs> But John is again setting up a second if-then contingent. 
He's saying, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Church family, this is, this is a problem that we have dealt with since the beginning of time. Right? Adam and Eve, the very first temptation. You, you'd be like God. Did, did God really say that? And they were perfect. They were made perfect. I wrestled with this a lot this week. One commentary was like, well, John's answering some heretical teachings about people saying, well, are we actually sinners? Another commentary was like, don't teach on that at all. John's not saying that. (laughs) John's talking specifically to the individual believer. I think John's doing both, honestly. I don't think it's wrong one way or the other. Because we see this all the time in our own culture. We have a hard time recognizing that we're sinful. <clears throat> I want to give you guys a, uh, a picture of this in our modern day. And if you've heard of the band Gunger, um, they were really popular when I was in college. Um, so popular, in fact, their, their famous song beautiful, beautiful things. Um, It's so popular, I actually sing it. It actually come to my brain. That's how popular it was when I was in college. Um, Maybe that's just my friend group and I'm... um, But Michael Gunger has entangled himself in the lie that we don't have any sin. And this is so evident in uh, one of his posts on Instagram, he took a famous song, famous hymn, and he rewrote it. And that famous hymn is Amazing Grace. And all of you know, probably know the first verse, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, right? Well, Michael Gunger says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound of love that sets us free. That which seemed lost has now been found, and grace is all I see. Says grace has saw my heart in fear, and grace my fears relieved. Now precious does this faith appear that frees us from belief. Michael Gunger has entrapped himself in the very thing that John is warning the believers about. So it's alive and well today. But John just doesn't leave it there. He doesn't just say, if we say that we have no sin, then the truth is not in us. Right? Because he realizes that we are not perfect in this earthly body on this realm. And so he then, in verse 9, says, if we confess our sins, guess what? He's faithful and just and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, that's awesome. That's an awesome promise that we have in Christ. And so when we sin... In our day-to-day walk, where the temptation, and I felt this for sure, the temptation is, am I really saved? Am I actually a child of God? And John's like, yeah. (laughs) We have to confess those sins. And guess what? He will restore that fellowship. Verse 10. You guys are getting out early today. It says, if we say that we have not sinned, last if-then conditional statement. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And then chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole. I won't dive into that too much because I'll let Trevor do But the key point in 10 to 2, 1 through 2, is that Christ is our advocate. He is the one that gives us the ability to live in a way that honors him. He gives us the ability to live free from our sins. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We're going to start in 21 as some context. The The key verse is 25. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. 25. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sin. For the demonstration I say of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Christ is our propitiation. It doesn't end with if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And the word is not in us. It doesn't end with that. It ends with Jesus Christ. That's the key. Jesus Christ is the foundation of how we walk our daily life. And that's my encouragement to you guys, is to die daily in Christ. Do we make mistakes? Absolutely. But John has given us a a blueprint so that we can walk in discipleship. And as Jesus says in John 10.10, that he will give us abundant life. That's the abundant life. It doesn't mean that we'll have uh, blessings and uh, material wealth, right? The nicest cars or the nicest house. It means that we can live um, for Christ. We can glorify Christ. And then we get the things like the fruits of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace that comes with discipleship. So my application for you guys. Number one, do not deceive yourself. Remember what Christ has done for you. so easy to get caught up in the lie that I don't need Christ. I've got it all figured out. If I ever say that, my wife has permission to slap me. Nicely. But don't deceive yourself. Remember, remember the foundation that you have in Christ because of his work on the cross. Two, God is who he says he is. He is the light, and he has promised, he has promised fellowship with us through discipleship. And last but not least, walk in the light. Desire and be in fellowship with God. That's where we should want to be. 
It's not where my old sinful nature wants to be because it calls out my deeds. But the desire to walk in the light. And I'll go a step further and say when we desire that, we should also desire even further that when we stand before God at the judgment seat, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my goal. That's what I want to hear. <clears throat> last last cross-reference. Turn with me to John 17. <clears throat> and I want to end with this. I'm ending early. Sorry, Craig and Trevor. <laughs> Try not to rush. But <clears throat> John 17. This is Christ's high priestly prayer for us. And he's He's praying specifically for the apostles in the garden. And I think the truth of the words can be applied to us as well. So starting in verse 13. Actually, we've got time. Let's start in verse 1, because it's a great prayer. Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh that to all whom have given him, he may give eternal life. This eternal life, or this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. From the words which you <clears throat> gave me, I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believe that you sent me. I ask on their belief, or on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your, tr your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, what they may be one, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved. For a little time, 
while we are of this world. Let us walk in the light. <clears throat> Dear Jesus, thank you, God, for um, your word and your truth. Thank you, Lord, that John is giving us the hope through your word, through your son, Jesus Christ, that we can walk circumspectly on this earth, that we can be a light to our neighbors, to our friends, to our community, and the callings that you give us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Be present in our lives and give us joy in this coming week. Amen.